Hello, this is the Tribe Stories, the curated sermons, conversations, and collections of poetry of the Tribe Lagos. The Tribe Lagos is a gospel expression based in the city of Lagos, committed to reaching the next generation with the message of God's love and grace. May this refresh and revive you as you listen. So let's let's pray. I was, I was just praying. I'll do that over again. So Father, thank you for the opportunity to gaze into the truth of your word. Every time we gather to study is an opportunity to know you even more and to know ourselves as we've always been known by you. As we study this evening, we're praying that you remove from our eyes the skills and the lies and the deception of the enemy. That we'll come face to face with who we truly are in your eyes. Help us identify with who you've called us to be in Christ. And we're also praying for people here today who just never felt that they're creative. We also help them to realize that they've always been. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, um, guys, we today's course is uh, Creator to Create. And I think um, it's honestly, it's going to be very interesting. But before we begin talking about creativity, um, I would like to just do a, tro- a quick throwback because today is Thursday. So, usually there's Thursday throwback. But I just want to do a quick throwback to um, a few things that we've talked about at the tribe because they'll be very key for us in laying the foundation of what we're studying today and the concept of union with god and the union with god is really about identification with christ and god and all that he has done so in the concept of union with god we don't see ourselves as separate from god anymore what we have come to identify with is that we are one with him and the closest that can help us understand this is, is the marriage um, marriage um, ceremony, right? When you see the marriage between a man and a woman, clearly that is union. That's what union means. And in union, all that is the man's has been transferred into the wife. All that the woman owns is also then owned by the, hus- um, by the husband. So union is actually the accurate description of our work with God, of the relationship we've come to identify and the relationship we've come to enter in God. So there is no more distance, there is no separation. So this is what it means. If Christ is a healer, it means that I have access to healing by virtue of my oneness with him. If Christ has the inheritance of the world, it means that I've come to participate and to partake in that inheritance by virtue of that. So Ephesians 5, 31 to 32 gives us that, that, that scripture mentioned that for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife and the two shall become one flesh. This what what we use we basically use this scripture during weddings to talk about the the, the the formation of the of the marriage but really on a deeper level it's not just about the formation of a marriage it's the constant reminder of our union with god we've all been fully married we've all been fully reconciled we've all been fully restored in relationship to christ so uh, whenever you go for a wedding always remember your union with god it's not just about the wedding and that's why christ said god hates divorce the reason why God hates divorce is because divorce reminds him of the fall of humanity, the separation. Divorce was the beginning of separation, but there are two other scriptures I've actually placed here to also help us very quickly. One of them is John 17, verse 11. Now, this was the prayer Jesus prayed. He said, Now I am no longer in the world, but these, <clears throat> now I'm no longer in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to you. Holy Father, keep true your name, those whom you have given me that they may be one as we are one. Now, in this prayer, we get to see the, the mind of God and the mind of Christ towards us. Christ came and one of the major things he always tried to establish is that, guys, there is no more separation, there is no more distance. 
in many occasions, he would always dial into this prayer. So in, in this particular scripture, we see the prayer of oneness that God, Jesus was praying that God, may we know that, may they know that you're one with me as I am with you. So when you come into identifying oneness, what it then means is as you're one with God, all that is true about Christ has become true about you. If Christ is a creator, so are you. If Christ is a healer, you carry healing, you become a conduit and a channel. He's the source of everything, but you become a channel for the source of that thing that is his life. So the way God experienced the world is through us. God doesn't need a body. God doesn't have a body, but he, he has made us his dwelling place. I think it was in Acts 17 where Paul was talking about God did not never intend to dwell in buildings made by hands. His desire has always been to dwell in, 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 in human bodies. So you and I must identify ourselves as the dwelling place of God. And it's very difficult because the way we came to God, we were always told we needed to find him. We needed to know him. We needed to experience him. And oftentimes the experiences and the pursuit and the knowing was more external to who we are. So in this prayer, he prayed in John 17, 11, John 17, 21, that they will know that you are one with you as they are with me. So Jesus kept emphasizing that. And in John 15, verse 4, he actually said about the, the, the tree and the vine. He says, so you must remain in life union with me. This is what he was talking about when he was teaching them about the branch and the vine, the, the branch and the vine. He's saying that there's no more separation. The, the branch is not separate from the vine. If you've seen the vine, you've seen the branch. Man is no longer separate from Christ. The, the regenerated man is now one with Christ. If you've seen Christ, you've seen the regenerated man. So he says that if you abide in me, your fruit will remain. That is a, that, that's a testimony of every believer. So Every time you think about the gospel and the work God accomplished, there is always the R-E word in front of everything. So there is repentance, there is restoration, there is redemption. I don't know if you, you guys remember much of it, but there is restitution. There is a, each other arrow word that comes to mind. If you guys know any other arrow word I'm forgetting, it would be nice for you to mention as well. So I've spoken about restoration. Anybody? Redemption, repentance, um, any other... Any other arrow word you guys know of? Rehabilitation. Okay, rehabilitation, that's fine. Anybody else? Restitution. Restitution. Any, any other arrow word? Reconciliation. Recon reconciliation. Okay, any other one? Reconciliation. Which one? Recompense. Okay, well, but it's getting plenty, but I think we can do with this once now. Now, the the reality about the RE preface is that every time you find that word, it's speaking of something that was that was once lost. RE is talking about return, rest restoration. So when we say human man was converted, it's not so much a conversion as much as it's a restoration. So if there is a word like revert, it, it seems more accurate than convert because what you're doing is that you're returning to who you always are in him. Christ spoke about redemption. Redemption is coming back to know yourself in God. Because the sin, sin brought about separation. And all that we're dealing with is the residue of separation. So when we've come back to God, I saw this quote by St. Augustine. St. Augustine said, receive that which you are. Okay, I'm having some interference. I'm, I'm hoping that's not going Um, maybe, guys, just please check if you're responsible for the interference so we can pause that. All right, Hello, so for me. For me. It's for me. 
Okay, you can tell her that to to um, mute her so we can go on. All right. So that that there's also John, uh, one John four seventeen where he says, "As he is in this world, so are we in this world." What this is already telling us is that this is how God sees us. What the life Christ lived on this world is the life we're called to live, no less. But the, the sad reality is that many Christians are living below their redemptive potentials. Many Christians are living beneath their redemptive privileges. And I can say that if you if we sit down and start to take stock of our lives, you and I might really come up with a few options for times in our lives when we just didn't seem to add up. When the redemptive benefit that, you know, God has spoke about healing, yet we find ourselves dealing with all kinds of sicknesses. But God has spoken about faith and overcoming fear. Yet we grapple with the issues of fear day to day. God has spoken about love. Yet we can't seem to live a life of love. I mean, these are realities. But what is true of Christ is now true of us. And one thing you must understand with the respect of restoration and redemption is God came to, God restored the world, but the salvation of men was not the end of salvation. So guys, if you are writing, this is a good place to write. The salvation of men was not the end of salvation. This, rather, the salvation of men was the beginning of God's restorative plan. So what God did was that we've been saved to save. God reconciled us to himself and he committed into our hands the ministry of reconciliation. So every one of us, we are in the process of reconciliation and we are, we are in the business of restoration. So Isaiah 61 also gave us a clue as to what we are called to restore. We are called to restore broken systems. We are called to restore broken homes broken souls. Our job is, is cut out for us. Our job is one of redemption. So every day we face the world, we're constantly asking ourselves, what is the redemptive angle to this thing I'm doing? If we're writing a story, we're asking ourselves, it's not about being religious, but it's about what is the redemptive side of what we're doing? Are we restoring hope? Are we reminding humans of what they're called to do, to love? But what was lost in Eden was one thing, right? The, the separation was not just the major thing that happened in man. Once separation happened, that separation, that break that separated man from God, that lie of the enemy that separated man from God, that separation brought about many other unintended consequences. One of that was the loss of identity. So from Genesis up until when Christ came, every human who worked with God had dimensions of identity crisis. There were just different depths and dimensions to it. But identity crisis became a theme with humanity. So identity crisis from when Adam fell, I mean, think about it between the first crime scene when Cain murdered Abel. It was purely identity crisis. He felt he was inadequate because Cain's sacrifice was well accepted. He then felt rejected and suddenly took the anger upon his brother, making his brother escape good for his own inability to find acceptance with himself and with God. Right? So, but what you find that identity was lost. Purpose, once Adam fell, purpose was also a casualty. Man started to live without a sense of purpose. And in our work with God, we are called to restore not just salvation, but also restore identity in humanity. That's part of what we are called to do at, at the tribe. One of our major plank is about teaching people who they are in God, reminding them of their identity in God. Identity is such an important concept. We cannot state it enough. Identity is sonship. Identity is bride. You are not an orphan. You are not a low-frequency slave. You are a son of God. Right, so we are also called now. This is where we are going to take up from. We are also called to restore creativity. Creativity was, to my mind, and this is my own theory, but it's pretty much consistent all through scripture. Man lost the concept of creativity as something that he didn't always know he had. A lot of things were buried in him. He lost his identity, but it wasn't so much that he lost it, but that he just didn't know he had it inside of him. They became buried. 
So today, the conversation is how do we rediscover creativity and how do we use creativity to deploy in our world and transform the world about us? And I, I think that's what this conversation is going to be. So I titled it Creative Sonship, right? This word just came to me, this is the Creative Sonship, but I'm saying that, remember eight, Romans 8 verse 19 says that the earnest expectation of creation awaits the manifestations of the sons of God. So every creation, when you walk through the broken streets of Lagos or from London, or you go to New York, everything around us and about us is demanding and crying for the manifestation of our sonship. But fundamentally, what is sonship? Sonship is a simple the definition of sonship is when God incarnates his life in human form, that person becomes a son. So the son, the definition of sonship is the incarnation of the life of the father in human form. That was why when this when the word became flesh, he was called a son. When the word when whenever God, the divinity of God, finds expression in humanity, that being is called a son. So you and I already have our sonship from the primary form we got, our identity and our image from God. We have, a, we have a potential sonship, but that potential sonship is not always optimized if we're not aware of it, if we don't work in it. So in, in a sense, we are potentially born sons, but we become sons as we journey with God. So creative sonship is what we're talking about, and let's, let's get into that. So um, why study creative sonship? I think fundamentally, I would like to think that Nigeria as a country is a creative wasteland. And even pretty much all of humanity today, we're seeing the waste of human lives, we're seeing the waste of human potential. We're seeing humans living far beneath their benefit, far beneath their creative potential. And we see Christians living far beneath their redemptive potential. So humans are very under, 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 underutilized, if that's the word. There's so much resources God has placed in the man, but it seems like we've been taught to bury our talents, we've been taught to hide it. So we are talking about Nigeria is a creative wasteland, and creative sons are called to revert that order, to remind God why God has placed us here. We often say things like, in Nigeria we have resources, but our problem is resourcefulness. That is because sons are called to convert resources to resourcefulness. The second thing that I also picked up here is that a lot of times in the Nigerian educational system, and pretty much across Africa, we oftentimes, we are taught what to think, not how to think. So the, the way we are wired, we are wired to think in terms of what are they saying. But the mechanics of thinking things through are not always the thing. And they are not, we don't learn that bit. We just take it up. So let me give an instance with people in Nigeria who goes on social media. What's trending today? I think something is trending. One man was beating his son. So yeah, the man that spent so much, um, I don't know if you guys saw the video, he spent so much training his son. The guy came back with A in music and F in everything else. Right? And I think we can relate to that African father. Pretty much a, a lot of us in this place have been reading the family life group where people are talking about being flogged by their father and why would the guy waste all that money. Right? But my point is, what you're seeing in that context is the African child is oftentimes disadvantaged with the quality of education that they experience. It's not how much you're paying, but there's a fundamental flaw in what we learn from our educational system. So oftentimes the typical Nigerian is actually educated out of creativity, not necessarily they are taught to be creative. This is some, a quote by Abraham Lincoln. I saw it and I thought this was quite insightful. He said, the dogmas of the, of the quiet past are inadequate to the, to the stormy present. So it's important we talk about creative sonship because the things you thought you knew from yesterday may not carry you into the future. All that you think you know are inadequate and they are not as sufficient to articulate the, time, the times in which we live. We live in turbulent times. So right now, if you have to rely on scientists, I beg to advise here, 
scientists are also out of answers. So fundamentally, the dogmas of the quiet presence are inadequate for the, for the times in which we live. Um, again, I suspect that we have all been educated about our, out of our creativity. Creativity is a defining trait of civilization and should not be repressed. So this point for me is very important because when you want to talk about driving industrialization or driving tech revolution or driving the next kingdom civilization that we're talking about, where businesses that are going to be established on godly principles will come to the fore, what you realize from time to time is that this kingdom civilization, this kingdom uh, activation, all of these kingdom experiences are going to be driven because people tapped into the godness in them and started to create. Finally, I also think that what I've also realized is many times Nigerians always seek permission to make mistakes. Right, so the way we're taught mistakes are called to be deadly. I don't know, there's a book I, I actually dropped here by uh, Carol, uh, is it Carol Dweck? She wrote about the growth mindset. I'm going to talk about it very briefly when I get to that point. But you and I in the 21st century we must have a growth mindset to how we do life. Um, so education should teach children not to be afraid to make mistakes. But they should also go about nurturing how to solve problems. So let me go quickly. I saw this quote by Andrew Nakisi, and I thought this quote was quite an interesting one. He spoke as though he's a prophet. He said, the real disruptors of the next decade won't be companies, but people, creative entrepreneurs, opportunists, who are transforming the global economy, professionals scattered around the globe, connecting and working from the, the rules do not apply. Old models of thinking are falling and fading away. Um, Many are too familiar. Okay, I think there was something missing there. But I'll, 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 I'll drop this so you can read. But he spoke about the disruption that is going on now and how we need to build, how we need to be, discover a new way of thinking to face the world. Now, when, when one thing God revealed about himself, I mean, at the tribe, we talk about God as our Abba. And Abba means source. That's what Abba means. Father means source. Our Father, our source. So when we talk about God as our Father, our source, we are actually really coming as intimate as we can with who God is. But before the fall, before ever Adam took the first bite of the apple, God always didn't, God did not necessarily introduce himself as the Father, because that was almost a given. Rather, when God came on the scene in Genesis, God revealed himself as a creator. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. We saw God moving there as a creator. So God is revealed in Genesis as a creator, the supreme power, the supreme wisdom, and the source from which all things came. Now, the Spirit of God, which is the, the breath of God, which is the Ruach, in the Greek word, is the creative agency of the universe. And it is the animating life force that brought and initiated and sustains life. So the, the Holy Spirit is actually the very force of creativity that is unleashed upon the world everywhere you go. So creator is something that God is. Create is something that God does. But creativity is something that God gives. Now, all humans today, all of our human creation, I call them cosmic plagiarism right let me give you an, ex an example if you look at the shape of the airplane we had to copy the wings of the birds to get the name wings so we did not invent wings in the, in, with the airplane we only copied from nature if you look at the shape of the of the sheep we had to copy the streamlined shape of the fish so in a sense man is only imitating his creator man is only reflecting his his reference right so it's very, it's very fundamental to us that all that we create is just oftentimes god has put templates in nature god has put everything there as we study those things we begin to learn how to do them so but there are two scriptures that actually also gives us an idea of how christ ties it all together and this is in colossians 1 verse 16 it says for in him all things were created 
things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or, or rulers or authorities, all things have been. So Colossians 1 16, we see that Christ was actually said in him all things were created, knowing the Father, the Son, and the Spirit are inseparable, one God in three persons. The, the Son also carries within him a creative capabilities, a creative potential, and everything that we see today came by the expression of God's word. So the Son is called the Word of God. Whenever God sends His Word or speaks His Word, that Word is carried by the Spirit, but it's a creative force. And guess what? You and I also have that Word in us today. The very Word God used in creating the world. Think about the universe. All that we see today is a reflection of God's imagination. I know some people worship the universe, but they miss the point. Because the universe is not the creator. The universe is a created thing, right? So don't worship the universe. For the new age people who are caught up in worshiping the universe, no. Romans 1.18 says we've exchanged it, we made a mistake, we exchanged the created thing for the creator, but the creator is not the created thing. When we see the created thing, we can worship, we can actually acknowledge the fact that there's an intelligent creator who made that thing. He points us to the creator, he doesn't point us to himself, right? So yes, fantastic, that's the fundamental thing. Uh, through him all things were made, in John 1 verse 3 it says, through, through the word all things were made, without him nothing was made that, ha that has been made. So establishing the fact that the word is the creative force of the universe and everything that has been established today or created today came directly or indirectly by the, by the expression of the word. Everything that exists and lives is in Christ. Okay, the creative force, the creative life force, which is the breath of God. Now, this is one thing I needed to establish. The first point I needed to establish here is that God revealed himself as a creator. And as a creator, he, when he, whenever, he, whenever, whenever he wants to create, he uses words, his words. So God uses imagination and his words. Think about it. When he came into the chaos of Genesis, he started to speak, let there be light, let there be. And the let there be is the word. The word went to work and the Holy Spirit moves upon the face of the deep. And suddenly we start to see. So when you have the word and you have the spirit, you already have the creative recipe. Now my point is for every situation you're dealing with, whether it's a business you're running or anything you're building, you have the spirit to get the word, right? That is where we miss the point. You need the word. And that word, I'm going to talk about the creative visualization as, as, it's, as a mechanism in which we create and how God uses that as well. So it's fundamental. The word of God, which is the breath of God, guys, it's so interesting when I said to study the breath of God because God gives his breath to all living things. According to Numbers 27 verse 16, that God gives his breath to all living things. When God created Adam, he breathed, he breathed into Adam's nostrils and Adam became a living thing. Don't forget that up until Genesis 2, 7, God formed the dust from the earth and he breathed his life. Forget, let me tell you the mystery of that breath. That breath was not air. God did not just breathe wind into Adam. What God actually breathed into Adam is called Ruach, is the breath, is the life of God. So the very life force of God came into Adam. So the way to understand this whole thing is really simple. If God put himself in Adam and Adam came alive, so the Spirit of God is no less God. That's what I'm saying. Job also spoke about that. Job, Job captured it when he said, as long as my breath is in me and the Spirit of God is in my nostrils, that when the breath of God is in me, the Spirit of God is in my nostrils. He was actually saying the breath of God is the life force of God. Now, there is the word Yahweh that we talk about was not necessarily a consonant or a vowel. They were not, it was, it was a, a word that they, they, when, they, when they used their breath to call the name of God, that's what they, what they get, Yahweh. So if you're if you're breathing, when you take in Yahweh, Yahweh. So that's the way it comes. It's like your breath, all of creation, every waking moment is calling His name. I told me we have to write a song about this thing. All of creation, 
every of our waking moments, we're declaring the name of God, Yahweh, Yahweh. So it is the sound of his breathing. Ra is God's breath. The basic meaning of Ra is both wind and breath. It is the power encountered in the breath. So he created us by breathing himself into us. So God did not put wind in us. God put himself in us. That was why he said that there's a treasure in earthen vessel. <laughs> there is something significant. Now, the way you understand it, uh, if you want to know the price of something, look at the, the quality of what's for you to be. It takes the, the, the how can I explain this one? For, for you to be redeemed, for a son, it takes a son to redeem his son. That's the way I would, I'll summarize it. It takes the life of a son to redeem a son. That was why God himself had to become a man. Because what was perishing in man was the life of God himself. So think about it. The raw is the source where all creativity comes from. And if that breath is in you, that's why people today who may not necessarily have the life of God already, who may not necessarily have a relationship with God, but they have the breath of God in them. And that breath of God is still a life of God. It's not the energized life form that we now have when the Holy Spirit comes to us, but it's no less a life form that's of God. So that's why Paul said, no, none of them is without excuse because God left his residue in every man. God deposited himself in every man. And that voice of God is a conscience. That voice of God creates. That voice of God is always pushes people to love. Some people that may not have gone to church in their life, they know how to love. How did they learn it? Because God in them, is the one that is teaching them how to love. So every created reality is an expression of raw. We are God's realized. So man is raw of God made flesh. The breath of God made flesh is what man is. So there's this, remember what, what Job 32 says, there's a spirit in man and the inspiration of, of the Almighty gives him understanding. So the Holy Spirit in us is a life. Now we've established the fact that God is a creator. We've also established the fact that God's breath is in us. And so now, what does this mean is that as God is a creator and we are made in his image, we are also made creators. So if God is a creator, we are also creators and co-creators. And that's what this means. So you are a co-creator with God. Like God, God, like God, man creates. He didn't just make us creative. He made us creators and co-creators. So many times when we look at creation, we talk about, we think of our role in terms of co-creation. So when God says, be fruitful, multiply, subdue the earth, replenish it, we oftentimes think that that is what we're referring to. No, God is not just talking about procreation. He's talking about procreation and he's also talking about creation. Remember, when God created man, God rested. Why was God, why did God rest? Because God did not rest because the work of creation was completed. No, that was not why God rested. God rested because in man, God will continue the work of creation. So man was actually created to continue the work of creation. Man was created to create. So the question you will never ask is, am, am I creative? That's a wrong question. The question you must always ask is, what am I creating? And everyone must move away from saying, do I have creativity? To say, how do I express my creativity? It's fundamental. So we don't forget again, I said, God deposited within us an artistic and creative memory of himself, which resides in us. So we all have the capacity to create now. When God, and, and then we are not just created, we are creative, we are new creation, our co-creators. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. So I'll move very quickly. Now there are two sides of man. There is, this, there is man is a spirit, but has a soul. And I call this spirit and the soul, within the spirit and the soul, there's something I call the creative assets of humanity. So in the spirit,
you have conscience, you have communion with Alec, and you have will. Now, the soul of man and the spirit of man, they actually have to work together for man to be. Can you guys hear me though? Yes. Yes, we can now. Okay. Yeah, it's free for a while and then. Yes. Okay, okay. All right. So th- this is it. The, the, the conscience of man, the communion with man and intuition is a component of the spirit, right? But the memory and imagination, they're also creative force. Many people create from their, their memory. And oftentimes when we create from our memory, it gets, when you create from your memory, um, you can allow the pain of the past to interfere with your creative process. So memory is a great thing to create from because that's part of our, our academic experience. But when you create from imagination, you sometimes bypass what you don't know. You're thinking, how am I creating? Because you're entering into a space and zone that is not limited by time. So there are two words that I saw, and, and I, I've been studying this word for a while, create and produce. Interestingly, the Greek word for create and the Greek word for produce, they have the same origin. It's called um, edusire, and it actually means to, to, to produce, to develop, to bring into being. So when God, what, what God did in Genesis, when he established man, Genesis 1.28, when he says, be fruitful, multiply and fill the earth and subdue it, God gave you and I a creative mandate. God gave you and I a creative and a cultural mandate. So we're called to be fruitful, we're called to multiply, we're called to fill the earth, we're called to subdue it. What this means is that no man is excused. We, nobody here in this group, nobody can exonerate themselves that they are not capable of making greatness. God has placed greatness of you by giving you this, encoding this in your DNA. But let's not forget, after the flood, think about it, Adam fell, the flood came. But Genesis 9 verse 1, just immediately after the flood, God reconnects with Noah. Remember the rainbow sign where God established the new covenant? But guess what God said in Genesis 9 verse 1? I need you guys to go and read it so that we can do well with time. So all these scriptures are here. I have about 50 scriptures or more stuff. So guys, just dial them in when you get the slides. Although the slide is not nearly ready, I'll send it across. Then God blessed Noah and his sons and told them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth. So Genesis 1, we see the heart of God that was in Genesis 1 verse 28. God has always been about our fruitfulness. God has always been about our multiplication. The fall of man did not change it else. God would not have told Noah. God established it. What this means is that you, my friend, you are your own enterprise. If you don't understand that you are your own enterprise, you will forever live trying to find what is not lost. You will forever undermine the creative potentials and capabilities that God has placed inside of you. So it's very fundamental for us to keep that in mind. Now let's bust a few myths about creativity. One of them is that creativity is for a chosen few. No, creativity is not for them that we are that. You know, in Nigeria here, yeah, if you want to go into creative space, just grow some dreads. And they will say, oh, the creative genius, the creative, no, no, it's not in the dreads, brother. It's not. And the point is, if you start to miscon, if you, if you buy into the misconception that creativity is for a chosen few, you will deny yourself your own creative capabilities. The truth is that we are all creative. It's just that some people are more aware of it than others. We are all born creative. We ought to grow into creativity. We don't. We, we should not be. We should not grow out of it. So th- that is something to keep in mind. Unfortunately, many of us we don't use our creative minds. So we, we it, it atrophies. The medical people will tell you atrophying. It means that it would it would thin out. Every child is an. Remember what Pica, uh, Picasso Pablo said. Every child is an artist. The problem is how to remain an artist once he grows up. So the problem is not that you're creative. The problem is how can you remain creative when you grow up? Unfortunately, the moment you enter school and you start learning, you know all those teachers that will say, Apoko, why are you answering too much, asking too much questions? Shut up. Then all of you did it. You were beating creativity out of each other. So you were gradually educated out of your creativity. And creativity is an essential part of your nature. 
that the image of God that you carry, school will tell you conform. So the way academic experience is designed, is designed for confirmation. You're taught to cram and write factoids. You're taught to recite lines and poetry, but you're never taught to tap into your creative head and produce. The second thing is that we lose creativity. We do not lose creativity. As we grow older, we're meant to grow into it. So you don't lose creativity, you will always have it. I don't know if you guys remember, when we were growing up, I used to have, in the neighborhood where I grew up, we used to have, we used to make cars. And what we do, we take sugar packs and we take this tin, um, tin, tin, of, um, this tin of milk or something. I don't know how that happened, right? But we made cars, we made cars. And I can't remember who was the, who taught us that. I don't know how, but guess what? There is the call of God, the creative force of God in every one of us. Think of it, it's when you started growing that some of us started playing. Kaima comes into the house every day, Dad, I've made, a, I've made a car, I've made this, I've made that. He's been playing around using all his notebook to do all kinds of flying objects. And I'm thinking, this is, this is actually it. How do I nurture that so that he doesn't lose it? The third myth I want us to break is that creativity is a mood. Creativity is not a mood. Creativity is a nature. So, you know, all these creative people in our midst, when they'll say, design this thing, you're like, I'm not in the mood, I'm not in the mood. You're blocking your creativity by trying to put yourself in a mood. By the time you transition from creativity being a mood to creativity being a nature, you open up the, 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 the tap and you see yourself growing into more. So now this is something very interesting. You know, I, I just tapped, I call it the alternate universe, Christ. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. Now, the way that I think about it, I like to think that we are living in an illusion. Get my point. We are living in an illusion. This falling world is not the world God designed for us. This falling world is a broken reality. There is an alternate reality that God has in Christ. And that's why we are now called to a new creation in Christ Jesus because Christ is no longer just a person of, of that, that, that we now receive and the, that we are born into. Christ becomes a dimension where we enter. So in that dimension, there is an alternate universe. Some people understand this distortion field of reality. So they don't agree to what the world is saying. Let me tell you the fact. The moment you start to attack the lies of the enemy concerning you, you create more. Every time the enemy will come that you're not capable of that, you should not be doing that. So the, you must understand that you and I now belong to an alternate universe in Christ. In Christ, we have a dimension. We swim upstream. We're not sitting down there. So if they talk about Nigeria going into recession and people are losing jobs and companies are closing, don't dial into that line, please. That is not your universe. Your universe is Christ. Your universe is Christ. Christ is now, everything that is true of Christ is now true of you. You now enter into, locate your promises in Christ. Locate the word in Christ. Locate your reality in Christ because Christ is ultimate reality. Adam is a broken reality. So he said, one man in Adam's disobedience, all man's failed, but in Christ's obedience, we have all been restored. So choose your universe. Choose your universe. My universe is Christ. It is I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things have passed away. In the universe of Christ, we are not our memory. In the universe of Christ, we are not our experiences. In the universe of Christ, we are not defined by the things we lose or the things we gain. We are defined by his, his love for us. So embrace the fact that you are loved. Embrace the fact that you are forgiven. In the universe of Christ, you are completely blameless. God keeps no record of your wrongs. You wake up new every day. You're like a child before your father. You're completely loved and adored. You're worthy of God's affection. In the universe of Christ, you're God's delight. You're God's dwelling place. You're God's favorite dwelling place. In the universe of Christ, you are, your name is written in, 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 in the galaxies. God is saying you are loved. God has your tattoo on his hand saying, this is my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. In the universe of Christ, we have found our meaning. We have found our acceptance. We have found our significance. We have found our hope. This is what it means by saying in him we live, we move, we have our being. 
unfortunately, the universe of the, of the fallen earth, we have learned all the wrong things. We've learned the lie. Culture has taught us who we are not. We've been, we've been introduced into the otherness rather than the likeness of who we are in God. So you have to choose your universe. Now, this is a technology that I think is very fundamental for us. I call it the creative visualization. And I can tell you God used this principle. So creative visualization, if you are made in the image and likeness of God, remember how did God create the earth? God spoke. God spoke. God spoke whenever he created the earth. He used his words. God used his imagination. God gave you imagination and God gave you language. So with language and with imagination, you have already received the dimension of your of your divinity. Now, you and I must work in it. The church has taught us about our spirituality, who we are in God. The church has taught us about our salvation, but the church has not yet got the hang of who we are in our divinity. The church has not started teaching who we are in a creative dimension. So we have divinity, we have creativity. The church has done so well in another, in one area, but the church needs to be well in another area. So at the end of the day, keep that in mind. Uh, these are some scriptures I need you to go and study. One of, one of them in Romans 4, 17, it says, even God calls into existence the things that do not exist. Think about it for a second. Even God calls into existence the things that do not exist. We see here a God who creates from, with words from nothing. Now, the moment you want to define your life by the things that already exist, you're already dated. We're not called to use the things that exist to call. We call those things that are not as though they are. We produce the things in, our, in the supernatural. We bring them into here. So what, what is it about your health? Locate the word. God calls into existence the things that do not exist. What about your job? What about your life? What about your ministry? Are you creating? Are you seeing the skill? Are you seeing the beauty? Are you seeing God? Are you seeing the harvest? Are you seeing the souls? Like God calls those things that exist. God calls those things that be not as though they are. Genesis eleven six. Now guess what? This was still falling man. Guess what God said? God said this. Nothing is impossible to them that which they have imagined to do. God identified, God noticed in man a creative capability. And God said, nothing is impossible to, to them, that's which you have imagined to do. So you, you realize that you have, God gave us the gift of imagination. And what God did was God took away their language so they could not create. They could not complete Babel because they needed language, they needed imagination. So God said, I can't take imagination because imagination is a function of your image. The image of God you carry means that you have, the, you have on you God's creative capabilities. So God took the language, they could not collaborate. So when you have both, you can try. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Guys, this is also a fundamental scripture. Think about it. This scripture is speaking about what I call creative visualization. Many Christians know how to pray, but many Christians don't know how to do creative visualization. Any prayer that is devoid of creative visualization is like a seed that was never planted in the soil. See, for you to see through, there are two things that will determine the quality of your life or the quality of your reality. One of them, for every three, if your plants for your plants to grow, there are two functional realities. One of them is the state of the seed. The other one is the nature of the soil. If the nature of the soil is not capable of generating growth, it will fail. If the state of the seed is impotent, it will fail. But guess what? Your imagination and your faith has to work together. We have been taught about faith, but never about imagination. And that's why many Christians are impotent. They can't create, they can't take over, they can't, they can't birth, they can't begin. Because they've always been told that, okay, your faith is anchored on what you need to receive. But God gave us faith to also create. Because we share in that creative capability. So by faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. So that what is seen was made out of what was not visible. You have the invisible in you. What are you making visible? As we look to those things that are seen, 
But to those things that are unseen, for the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are seen are, are unseen, are eternal. So creative visualization, this is my definition of creative visualization. I say it's a process where we deliberately apply scriptures to our imagination, rendering a picture of an expected outcome. So for instance, I want to see what am I seeing in my business? What am I seeing in my health? What are we seeing for the tribe? What are we seeing for this nation? I'm seeing empty isolation centers. I'm seeing the place empty. People are going home, getting healed. Now I'm rendering that in my prayer. Each time I go to pray about COVID, I'm actually saying what I'm releasing people and I'm taking my imagination and I'm rendering that in my mind. I'm saying, I'm seeing people leave for their, going to their houses. I'm seeing people get well. So it's not just prayer, but we pray and we imagine. God, that is one of the technology that many Christians have not started to master. Now I'm going to give another class on creative visualization. It's an entire uh, spectrum. Honestly, I'm still studying on this thing, but nobody I know in my life has taught me about this in the way I'm learning from the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is giving me these things like, God, know these things now, that these are the things you need to stabilize in life. Now, creative visualization, I, I kept something here. I said, wealth and poverty is a learned creative, creative activity. So there is a connection between poverty and wealth and creativity. First of all, poverty is a lack of imagination. But I'll say poverty is the inability of man to harness in imagination. And poverty, that's what it is. Why wealth is the ability of man to harness his imagination, to create value. Then the second thing in creative visualization is your prayer of affirmation. So what we do is we take biblical truths and we affirm them, we confirm them, and then we, we steal those biblical truths. We de- we, we, we de- okay, I'm back, I'm back. All right, so uh... the, the law... The law of, uh, let me talk about the four fundamental laws of creation. One of them is the law of conception. Like I said, the law of conception is whatever you want to create, start with your imagination. Don't start with your physical resources. So you can have, a, a, you can have five loaves and two fishes, but you must see the 12 baskets. That is the principle of the kingdom. The law of the kingdom is in the law of conception, you don't create with limitation, you create with abundance. To limit God is to actually, ah, no, you can't limit your father now. So the point is in the law of concept, in the law of conception, you understand that what are you seeing in your mind will always become a reality. Secondly, there's a lot of thoughts. Thoughts are things. That's why I said, it, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The thoughts that you think is the language of your mind. Poor people have poor thoughts. Rich people have rich thoughts. Fearful people have fearful thoughts. People of faith have them. So my point is, we must also protect our minds from being assaulted or polarized by negative negativity. Now, the law of the mind, a closed mind, cannot create. Nothing is more dangerous or more, or more expensive than a closed mind. So guys, we are called to open our minds. Our minds are meant to be soaked in the word. Romans 12, 2 says, let the word dwell so richly in your mind. Renew your mind by the word. Renew your mind by the word. A closed mind is a closed destiny. So that, that's the, there is no challenge, more challenging than the tax of challenging, changing your belief system. So wealth is about investing in a wealthy mindset. Poverty is about investing in a poverty mindset. Right? I told you guys when we were growing up, I'm still be saying, don't press this to space so, so much. Right? And I always used to have a scarcity mindset, like, I think it's my run out. You know, I challenge it every day. Like, God, it's not running out. And the more you tap into God's abundance, the more abundance you see. There's a lot of practice. And that's where a lot of Christians don't know. So we can talk about union life. But union life means that you have to practice intimacy with the Holy Spirit. You have to practice conversational prayers. You have to practice contemplation. You have to practice meditation. You have to practice visualization. Right? That is what it is. So there's a practice side. Many Christians know how to, know how they, they know the objective truth, but they don't know how to bring it into reality in their subjective existence. Right? Okay, I'll go quickly so we can, we can get through this. 
I've spoken about this at the tribe before, and I spoke about the three parts of reality. There's idea, there's prototype, there's product. And I said there's concept, there's blueprint, there's reality. So what it means is the word, you locate a word, that word you're locating is a concept of, the, of what you want to see. As you begin to develop that word, you, you create a blueprint, which in my opinion can be an affirmation, can be something you're interacting with. So sometimes, I, I, you know, when I was in university, I would, I, would take, I would take things I want to see, I'll put it in my, I'll put vacation around where I just wanted to fertilize my imagination with the things I want to experience in my reality. So, you know, people talk about create, you know, cre creating an environment that can support your creative your creative energy. So when you look at it, if you, for the tribe, you want to see people get healed, can I find scriptures on healing and put it in places where I can believe again that people will get healed, right? I want people to, I want, I want us to raise men at the tribe who are free from religion, but powerful and creating businesses and helping the poor and setting up NGOs and creating jobs. Then what kind of imagery can I create to allow us feed into that imagination so that the men can enter it, right? So that's key for us. Um, I spoke about case studies in the Bible that can talk about creative visualization. One of them was Genesis 31 verse 10. I'll read that very quickly. This was when um, God gave Jacob a dream where he said the spotted, the, the sparkled and the striped will be for you. And before long, Jacob created a, a, a blueprint and put it by the waterside. Everyone that was meeting started to create after that blueprint. That is one of the example. The other one is Genesis 15, uh, 13 verse 15. God, God came to Abraham and said, I'm giving all this land as far as your eyes can see to you your descendants will possess. So we God connected the optics to reality. The optics of reality means that if you can see it in the realm of the spirit, you can have it. In the realm of thought, I think it, therefore I am. In the realm of the spirit, I see it, therefore I am. In the realm of visualization, I see, therefore I am. I think, therefore I am. I feel, therefore I think. That's the way we channel all our energies into ensuring that we don't give room to fear. We cultivate this. Um, so Second Corinthians three eighteen spoke about keeping Christ in your in your view. Says it's Sorry, Pastor Freddy. Hello. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, we've lost your slides. We can't see your slides, please. Are you serious? Yes. Okay, how do I do this now? Um, can you guys see it now? Let me see. Okay. Can you, okay. Can you guys see it now? Yes. Okay. Okay. I, I spoke about creative visualization. Where you guys see this part? Yes. Okay. Yes. Okay. About and I dropped some scriptures there. I want you guys to go back to them. Hebrews, Romans, they all have all the, um, they, they gave us a clue that God also uses creative visualization. So when God came to Genesis, God will see, God will speak. God will see, God will speak. So what it means is that you will see and you will speak. So God looked at it, he saw chaos, he started to create. I spoke about the law of creation, the law of conception. Don't let the limitations of the physical determine what you create. Tap into the abundance of God and create from there. I also spoke about the law of thoughts, that your thoughts must support the spirit, must be powered by scripture, must support your reality. Don't take in negative thoughts because negative thought means you are miscreating, right? I spoke about the law of the mind. A, a, a closed mindset cannot receive the things of the spirit. So your mind can almost align with God. Romans 12 verse 2 gave us the clue. The law of practice. So you, for every, there's a practice to something. There's a practice to wealth. So even if you want to receive wealth, there's a practice to wealth, right? So you also have to look that. I spoke about the three pathways of reality, concept, blueprint, and reality. That if you can have that, if you can have that, uh, your concept, your blueprint. Martins, you are talking. So there's concept, there's blueprint, and there's reality. So if you locate the concept in the world, you put it in your mind, you create your, your blueprint, and then your reality will come. Many Christians have been taught how to pray, but they've never been taught how to create with their prayers. So I, I gave you the case studies now. 
up had a dream. He created a blueprint, the spotted, the stripe, and the speckle. And before long, she was producing. And God also told Abraham, if you can see it, you can have it. And he also, Paul also told the Corinthians church that if you put Christ in front of you like a mirror, as you're gazing to Christ, you're going to be transformed into that image. So that's what this is. Now, this is a powerful quote I dropped here. And guys, just, just allow me to use it because it's not a very technically correct language. But I put it like this, that when you are creating, you are Godding, right? So, because in, 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 you don't forget what Jesus said, you are God's in John 10 verse 30, 33, quoting um, Psalms 82 verse 6. Now, God is not necessarily the name of God. God is an office. And the way God is an office, God gave us that office of, of God on earth to create. That's why all the evil on earth, man has to answer for it. COVID has a human origin. Let's not always go and dialogue God on that one. So, but whenever you're creating, the desire to create is one of the deepest healing of the human soul. Creativity is part of the evidence that are made in God's image and likeness. So it's for us to awaken to the consciousness that we carry him and we create like him, right? So embrace that. Whenever you create, God is being himself in you. God is the one creating you. You're, you're a conduit or you're a channel for God to pour out through the earth. Um, to create, I've spoken about this. There's a need for us look at take your imagination take a scripture weave it together now let me just talk about mis miscreate very quickly miscreate is when you're, you miss you have a misplaced reference so some people worship created things some people worship creativity creativity is not the answer it's not the god created things is not the answer we must move away from that negativity miscreates once you dwell on fear what did jacob say job say that which i fear that come upon me limiting mindset can also create when you judge when you're always competitive, when you're always striving, when you're always gossiping, all these things have a way of interfering with our creative path. So we're meant to break away from this thing. Frustration can also create, it creates powerlessness. When you're frustrated, you become invalidated. So let's keep that in mind now. Let me wrap up on this couple of slides. Born to invade the impossible. Don't forget the enduring call of, our, of every believer is that God has an agenda. He wants heaven, heaven to invade earth. So we are placed here to invade Earth. We are, we are here as ambassadors to invade Earth. So we are channels for the invasion of Earth. We create meaning and possibilities. Every crisis is an opportunity for heaven to invade Earth. Every chaos is an opportunity for heaven to invade Earth. God himself is a dreamer and God loves dreamers. So guys, I want you to become a dreamer. I want you and I to take this season to become a dreamer. A dreamer of the kingdom dream. God is your partner. You have to make big plans. Until your dreams scare you, you don't quite have a dream. Because the founder, the one that will fund your dream is God, not you. Right? So, top tips to just wrap up the dreamer's journey. One, I think you and I must have a dream journal. So, this is supposed to be dream journal. Let me put it there. Um, you must have Jesus. a dream journal. And what I'm saying here is that every time you go to your secret place, God is giving you trade secrets. When you go to your secret place, God will give you trademarks. Capture them. Because God is trying to create with you. Secondly, incorporate dream time in your prayer and meditation time. Don't just pray and go. Let's spend some time to create with Him. Your prayer time is an opportunity to create. So let your meditation also be allowed for you to create, to, to come into a place where you worship Him with your imagination. That's why I say you will love Him with your spirit, your heart, and with your mind. Our mind is part of our creative process. When we love God with our mind, we create with our mind. When we are creating with our mind, we are loving God with our mind. So you must have a faith-based project. A faith project means that, that you're committed to betting in this season. So when you're, you're committed to betting, and the, the faith project is like, I'm seeing something I want to do for the kingdom. I want to have an orphanage, I want to have this. Whatever you're seeing, 
capture it and begin to paint the picture of where you're going. Begin to paint a picture. What do you see about the orphanage? I want to see this for the country. I want to see this for my kids. I want to see this for my marriage. So the kind of marriage I want to have, the kind of kids I want to raise, I'm constantly interacting with that. So read books to acquire frame of references because when we when we pick up a creative frame, we need sometimes in our execution we need frame of references. Conversations are epiphanies. What I mean is that even in conversation, God speaks. So as you're talking to somebody, you're picking something there that is adding to something you're doing, right? And it can be powerful if you do that. Okay, so um, I dropped here, as the Spirit hovered over the, the chaos of creation, we are called to hover over the, the earth. As the Spirit was setting in motion, bringing to end every confusion, you are, and, I, and I are placed here to bring God's beauty in everything we do. Isaiah 61 is our closing scripture and always our closing scripture. The Spirit of the Lord, Yahweh, has wrapped around me because Yahweh has anointed me as a messenger to preach good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted, to tell captives you are free, and to tell prisoners be free from your darkness. So if you go and read all of these things, this is the call. We have, for us to do this, creativity is at the core. How do we set captives free? We create. How do we do this? And we just embrace that in our call. Now, I don't know why I ended with this, but I say, stage your comeback. If there is somebody here and you feel you've lost your lost an opportunity in your life, God is the redeemer of times and seasons. Stage your comeback. Begin to see yourself go back into your career and make an impact. Don't think the life has passed you by. No, go back and, and demand and please and then, and then make the life happen. You are a life force in time. You are an eternal being in time. You have not lost out. You are, as so long as you have God, you're never late, you're never too late, you're never too early. God will always put the, the, the lines will fall for you in pleasant places. Become a unicorn, not a con. Right? I saw that quote and I kept laughing. People are building unicorns. We are called to scale. We are called to build things that can impact our world. We are not going to change. We are going to change the world because this is not the world we want to live in. You and I are placed here. We are going to change the world because that is why we are here. So guys, this would be me saying, uh, I, I put the uh, Carol Dweck's book. Um, um, her book is called Mindset. I'm going to share a couple of references before I, I give this to you, but uh, she spoke about having a growth mindset and reinterpreting failures. So failure is not necessarily something we should fear, but we see it as a learning path to where we're going. I'll stop here to take questions before we pray. Guys, um, sorry that it was such a wrap. Trust me, it's so many slides, but um, I was trying to just reduce this. It was 60, I made it 30. So let me take a few questions and comments. Hi, Pastor Ferdi. Thank you so much for your teaching. Thank you, too. So, quick question. I, uh, the last thing you said about staging a comeback was as though you were speaking to me. And I was just wondering in my heart how to do that. I stumbled on, I didn't even know that it was a dream journal until you mentioned it's something I had I've had for a while now. I, I started it when I was much younger, but I've not been doing that for a very long time. And yesterday I just stumbled on it. And I was reading some of the things I had written and I was just wondering what where what do I do? Where do I begin from? So in staging a comeback, are there anything you you can say, you know, to just help in terms of like Okay, um, what I would say that there are three things I would say. I'll say go back to your source, right? Um, now that you know you have a dream journal, 
I, I really know that the, when I also had a where I lost my dream journal and I needed to get back there. What I did was every moment I go there, I pray. I'm always asking God, what have you got to say? The truth is that if we don't see what the prophecies and the promises of God, God will, God will find it. I don't know. God will, I, I will not be happy if I give my child nuggets of wisdom and they don't use it. So God gave us that thing to you. So once you, you go to your, your, your prayer, your secret place, begin to reconnect with him. As your intimacy grows and come alive, you begin to hear more and get the directions and you need. Secondly, in the season of your life where you want to birth, you will need mentors. Many times people don't understand that mentors are a spiritual thing that God gives us. Um, there are many things God, I mean, think about it. It wasn't Moses' idea to create a system around a system of oppression when he was struggling in his, in his leadership. He took Jethro, a, a Midianite, who was probably a Muslim at the time, or I don't know what religion he was, but he was the guy that showed up and told Moses, do you want to structure this thing down so you don't die? How come the prophet didn't know the principle of delegation? How come the prophet was was actually being suppressed and has all the body? Was, Moses was going to drop long before he died if he didn't take up that, that advice. We all need mentors. God will send you a Jethro to tell you this is the way you need to do, do So many times we don't understand that there is somebody, people who have walked certain paths. But when we go and listen to them, we're leading with the Spirit. As the Spirit will tell us, okay, this is something you need to take, that's something to check with. So in, on your journey, when you find people who have walked something close in their own path, that God has called you to do something, you will find a mentor that can also guide you with some practical insight and steps. God will always send you mentors. You will need mentors on your journey. We can't go alone right and it's important you do that and i think oftentimes you should also um what it means is like i said intimacy would help you reconnect mentors will also help you fill some gaps i would like to stop there on that uh, anybody can add if they have anything else i have a question okay uh jessica Yusuf. <laughs> okay First, I want to thank you for doing this. I joined late, but um, I want to just ask something about what you were just talking about. Okay. Uh, we encourage very much people should go out, go into the world to be light, to be salt. Mm. How do we um, navigate? Um, you know, how you mentioned um, Jethro being a Midianite. Definitely, he was not one that we will say was a believer per se, right? Mm, mm, mm. He had some sense of uh, like knowing God in a way, but mm. so how do you interact with in a Babylon or you know Egypt and use the wisdom of the culture, but not get um, entangled by the systems? So we have examples like Joseph being in Egypt and Daniel being in Babylon. But mm. you understand? So how do we not get entangled? Basically, I think I think we must be conscious of the fact that when you go to Babylon, you know that scripture that comes to mind, you're like sheep among wolves. Um, so um, we move circumspectively, um, be as wise as a serpent and be as gentle as a dove. I mean, Jesus used those words to describe our interaction with Babylon. But here is what I would say of Babylon. I think that once we work with the spirits, we'll always be the answer, not the question. Think about it. God didn't give just Jacob, God didn't give Joseph the dream. He gave it to Pharaoh, but he gave the interpretation to Joseph. So God is the one that will work our path and open the doors for us. When we get too strategic, when we get to, to want to move ahead of ourselves and plot and, and, and manipulate, we can't use the strategies of Babylon to conquer Babylon. We use the strategies of the kingdom. So the interpreter of the, the giver of the dream will give the interpretation to us. 
God wrote the handwritings on the wall for Nebuchadnezzar, but the interpretation of the handwritings on the wall had to come from Daniel. Because they said it's, Daniel was the one that had the seven spirit of wisdom. So you and I must not undermine, like I said, many of us are living beneath our redemptive benefits. Many of us are living without necessarily understanding the resources we have available in the Holy Spirit. And I, even I have to be reminded that I have so much available in the Holy Spirit. Some days I get frantic. I want things to move at a frenetic pace. I want to be in control of certain things. Things are not going my way. I'm messed up. My mind is, I'm falling apart. And I'm thinking, oh my God, I have a present help in time of need. Oh, Freddie, relax on him. Right? But I have to be reminded of these things. My natural tendency would be to resolve it in my strength, sit down and plan it. I have, I can think it through. But oftentimes, we come to hit a roadblock, the Spirit will be there to give us the answers. So the interaction with Babylon has to be mediated with the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit leading us. So even in choosing a mentor, you don't just go and choose a mentor because he speaks well. If that mentor might destroy you, your point is you also have to filter it through the Spirit. Pray about the mentor you want to, you want to choose. Pray about it and say, I'm, I'm having this name, God, and, and the rest, the lies, if the lies fall for you in pleasant places, you can realize that at that point in time, the lines are coming in places. Not all popular mentors are needed. Some of the mentors that have been most influential in my life, they don't have big platforms. Nobody hears them. But whenever I call them for, for wisdom or something I'm doing, their wisdom is so clear that God is speaking to them. So we need the eyes of the Spirit, not always the eyes of flesh. And I'll say of Babylon, let the Spirit be your guide and be the torch. Work with the, the Lamb, the, like the, let the Spirit lamp onto your feet and the light onto your path. You will not be consumed by the, 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 the trappings of Babylon. Amen. Right, any more questions, guys? Um, yes, please. Hi, Fadi. Hi, Nana. Um, so thank you so much for this session. It was really, really good. Um, you mentioned quite a bit um, about studying. So how do you find time to study? I know obviously your husband and your dad and you have like a business. So how do you find time to study? Hmm, honestly, Maybe just share think... tips, I guess. <laughs> tips. Okay, honestly, let me know that for you guys. If I if I tell you that, I've, honestly, study was not always one of my struggles. Um, it just came natural to me. But the more I got busier, it was more difficult. But I had to use di different tools. These days, I look out for certain podcasts on innovation, uh, things that God is taking me in the direction. Now, I know that I'm running a tech company where we're doing amazing stuff around innovation, animation. I look for wisdom. I look for things like practice. Can't hear you. Can't hear. And oftentimes on um, podcasts, I do a lot of YouTube videos. I listen to a lot of TED Talks sometimes. Not all of them are very energizing, but it just helped me fertilize my mind. Then I also think that, so, you know, for me, I, I, have, I, I made a commitment, like I want to get through a book a week, but that didn't work. I, I'm, I'm struggling with uh, two books a month, you know, but it's not always about the fast pace. I want it to be functional. So I, I make out time to do research in things that I want to study, right? Because it's not about finishing a book. Not all the things in the book can cater to you. But if I look for interesting articles, I, I, these days I, I sign up for webinars. I look for articles that I tend to read. So um, the model of, inform of, of information is changing. Some articles are condensed nuggets of people who have read thousands of books. So I would say for everyone, there is no one size fits all. So um, look for what works based on your time, on your ability, and your preference. If you're a podcast type person, invest more time in sourcing for what works. If you're a book person, uh, invest more time in sourcing for books that are in the season you're in. If you're a visual person and you want to do podcasts, make sure that you can look for what works. But don't just let yourself drift and visit everywhere. 
be strategic about how you spend your time when you go and study. Dedicate like two hours of your day. Say maybe I want to work with maybe 10 to 12 before I sleep. I sleep before I get to finish what I'm listening to, but I try to just say I listen to it. But yeah, somehow I pick a few things. So that's what I'll say. Please, I also have a comment to make. Okay. Um, I, I love what you said about don't just pray. Um, for many of us, you know, especially in our church culture, you know, I remember I used to like to say, um, you know, you hear God the Father, God the Son, God the mm. Holy Spirit, and then God the prayer. You know, it's almost mm. as if prayer has been so, <laughs> you know, personified. Ah, mm. it is prayer. Just pray, pray, pray. Ah, prayer will do it. Prayer, mm. prayer, prayer. But I love what you said, and I, if you can please throw a bit of light on it. It says, don't just pray and go. It says, mm. worship with your imagination. Mm. For somebody like me that, you know, I am a consummate worshiper. Mm. You know, worship, and then says, what do I see? So mm. what does that look like for you? You know, um, mm. how would you, you know, what does that look like for you in your experience? Where you're not just praying and going, you know, mm. and get up and go. Mm. But you worship with your imagination, and what do you see? You use words like conversations are epiphanies. I mean, this this is very powerful. Okay. Mm. Okay. So with worshiping with imagination, it was something I started to study about two years ago. And even during the worship period, some days, if I'm not careful, I can allow the sound, somebody that is going off, or a keyboard that is not getting it right to interfere with it. But in just being allowing myself to let the lyrics of the words press for everyone on my heart. So when I hear things like, uh, if the stars are made to worship, so will I. I'm allowing the words carry me through. I'm also allowing myself taking the words. I'm not just hearing, if the, if the stars are made to worship, so will I. I'm allowing my imagination to see the stars bursting forth in worship, right? So I'm, I'm like, my mind is caused like, but I don't know if it comes easy for me than other people, because I've always been a child of very vivid and active imagination. But I do think that everyone has a capacity to imagine. And I think the more you practice it, the more you get better. it. So even in my dream time, like the other day we were supposed to do a pitch to a company, right? And I woke up that morning, I finished praying. And you know, I just entered into my, my imagination. I was like, God, this is what I want to see today. I want to see them receive us in warmth and in love. I want to see them give us tea. I want to see them say to us, you guys are so amazing. You guys, oh my God, this is what exactly what we need. Like I was, I was praying, I said, God, I want to see them sit and just take our hands and say, we're signing this deal. Like I pray these things. I, I allow my mind to run through the meeting before I go into the meeting. And sometimes, it, honestly, it, it, I'm still practicing and getting the better at it. It doesn't always... Seem like I, I don't get caught up in okay, did it play out to my mind? But I just want to keep the pot because he said, Whatever things are true, whatever things are of, of, of positive reports, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think of those things. And we must allow because fear miscreates uh, tension and, and pressure, they have a way of taking away, they miscreate. But when you stay on the word, the word is life, all God needed was a word. So I take the words, and I, if I'm going through a season where I'm dealing with condemnation or fear, I locate the words that can speak to my reality, and I'm dwelling on those words, and they're giving me life. So I, 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 that's the way I'm seeing it play out. And if anybody has anything to contribute, that would be great to learn too. Okay. Um, right, Sky, I have a question. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'll just imposter syndrome and perfectionism in creating. So, for example, you know God says this is what you should do. And at the same time, you feel like a fraud when you try mm. to share out or try to do what he says. You feel like, am I good enough? Or mm. you feel like maybe I'm not being excellent enough. And then you just keep okay, creating. 
there are two things I will speak to that. One of them, you know, I actually saw imposter syndrome in the Bible recently. Like, there was that scripture where... Um, I can't hear you. We're on again. We can't hear you. We can't hear you, Freddy. I think it's network. Probably Popeye said. Yeah, I think so. That he became a man. Sorry, Popeye. Yeah, that he became a man did not. Because we didn't hear anything you said. Okay. Yeah, so that the, 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 I was saying that the other scripture that says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. That though he was, he was, he was made, it was made. That though he is is God, he was made lower and came as a human being. He did not think himself robbery when he to be equated with God. What this is saying is that Christ is a is a God. Christ is God. Yet when God became a man, his humanity did not stop him from identifying with his divinity. His humanity did not tell him you are stealing this God thing. It's not your own. Yes. One of the things that can help us solve. The problem is once we begin to see ourselves through God's eyes, our imposter syndrome will resolve or at least reduce. Yeah. When we tend to attach our value to our, our 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 outcomes or our when you oh my last article must be me. So at every point in time you still feel like okay, once your article defines you, your imposter syndrome will always be there to hunt you like okay, I'm not good enough. People are just catching me in my hype. Maybe my my real self will show. No, we're not called to be defined by our outcomes or by the things we put out or we do. We're called to be defined radically as beloved and accepted by God, right? And that should begin. That should be where we begin. Separate yourself from your gifts. Separate yourself from your your outcome and your results. You are loved and accepted by God, even if you don't put out another article. Even if you don't write a book in your life, you're still loved by God. We're called to be productive, not because we want to end God's acceptance by what we produce. We're called to be productive because the life we have received in us expresses itself in us as good works, and the books we write and the things we create are an expression of the love. We have received not not a method to end it. So, imposter syndrome honestly will resolve with your understanding who you are in God, and as you grow in that understanding, you realize you become and get more detached from the results you want to achieve, and get detached from people's opinion of you. People's opinion of you can be a major plank in in nailing in 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 playing up that um, imposter card. Always know that you're loved, accepted by God, right? Um, you are not going to be less loved by God because you didn't get a job interview nailed or because they didn't rate you in, an, in, in any case. So let, let, that, let, let that separate yourself from the opinion, the tyranny of other people's opinion of you and okay. even the bigotry of your own opinion. Sometimes your own opinion doesn't count. You know what the Bible says? Even if your heart does, if your heart condemns you, God does not condemn you because God is greater than your heart. So what it means, your opinion of you is inferior to God's opinion of you. So suspend your opinion of yourself and dial into God's opinion of you. You're loved, you're accepted, you're my beloved child. You're worthy of the sacrifice of the cross. I fully reconciled you to myself. Let that be you. And then the, the opinion of yourself, like you, this child, you are not good enough. Those ones silence them. And that's what I'll say to that. Okay, thank you, Fadi. You can log on to thetribelagos.com or email us at hello at thetribelagos.com. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter on The Tribe Lagos. God bless.